Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. 10.18 here on Future Sense, here on Bay FM 999. If you're listening to us live, good morning to you out there in the Northern Rivers of New South Wales, or about, or online on bayfm.org, streaming at any time, or on demand. You can go back to the website and check out the full show and scroll through all the shows on Bay FM. Or if you're listening to our edited podcast, you can do that uh, through futuresense.it or for, through your, uh, your, your platforms there. So hello to you all out there in the world, and thanks for joining us here in 2020. And we are talking today to Monica Bourgeau, the, ty- the author of The Change Code for Leaders, Visionaries and Change Makers. And we're giving away two books. We'll run that for a little while. We've had a lot of calls, but you've still got a good chance of getting the draw. Double six eight zero seven triple nine. if you are a subscriber to BFM and be in the draw. We'll run it for a little bit longer until the next break probably that we, we take. And thanks also to those who've texted in to, draw, to go into the draw like Tim, subscriber there. Thank you. You're in the draw as well. And uh, Monica, we'll continue just having a look through the book and talking about some of the content. And one of the really important things that you've covered in the book is is self-work. So it's not just about how to understand change and change other people, but the work really has to start at home. And I think that's wonderful that you've uh, devoted a chapter to that. Yeah, I just find that is so important uh, because a lot of people who are change makers and who are trying to make a positive difference in the world, uh, it can be really easy to try to help others mm-hmm. at, at the expense of our own self-care. And so that chapter is really a reminder about the importance, you know, the whole thing when you get on the airline, they tell you to, um, you know, use your own oxygen before you try to help others. And so I find that that's uh, really, really important. And um, just with myself, you know, being kind of a highly sensitive person, really empathic, that if I try to do too much or try to, um, you know, help too much with others, it can be really draining to me. And so really taking the time to do those self-care practices. And, you know, I'm actually pretty regimented about that because I find that when I am, I'm able to kind of um, come to situations with my highest energy and my highest self and can really do um, the best work and make the greatest difference uh, when I'm at that point. And so I think that's really important. Mm. And then I think this whole transition period too, you know, more and more people are moving into green, which is when um, our empathy really starts to grow and expand. I, I don't know about Australia, but here in Portland, we have lots of groups for empaths because we have a lot of people that are starting to just really feel things a lot more deeply than they have in the past and, you know, trying to understand that and cope with that and uh, and still try to make a difference. And so I think it's uh, a good process to learn how to kind of manage those those feelings and do that personal growth. Plus, I, I don't think we can really help others until we've spent that time really developing ourselves. And so I think it's an ongoing 
process and just a really important to focus some energy there. Mm, at uh, that particular chapter when you started there, I think it's roughly halfway through the book, maybe a little bit earlier, somewhere there, but it came at a, at a moment for me which was a bit shocking because it really put me back and went, oh my goodness, I'm really do not look after myself enough. I do not self-care enough. I'm not doing enough of the, the work I need to do. A whole bunch of judgments sort of came in, but they're kind of relevant and, and uh, actually quite quite true. Uh, so, so it was really good for me to, uh, to dive into that chapter, and it came at a certain time, of course, very timely in my particular life, as, it, as things do, uh, from, to challenge me in a, in a very positive way. So thanks for that. Good, I'm glad. Yes, it's such an important issue, uh, and uh, not just for, for change agents, but for everybody. And because of the, the conditions that we're facing, the life conditions around the world at the moment, having some kind of integrated practice is really becoming essential. And it needs to be um, not just meditation, but it, it needs to be a, ideally a physical, so a, a mind-body-spirit kind of practice that hits on all those bases. And I, I'm finding that grounding is a really really critical thing and and in my own case you know if i feel like i'm starting to get a bit out of tune then it's usually that i, I need to attend to my grounding and for me that comes through my qigong and, and kung fu practice um, and uh, you achieve the same things through other disciplines of course like yoga etc but but the importance is that it needs to involve moving the body and it needs to involve connecting with the earth and a, a huge part of this transition into green or layer six or postmodern relativistic as graves called it uh, is about reconnecting with nature and I think that's something that's really in our face here in Australia at the moment as we're looking at, at the force of nature mm. uh, and being confronted by the forces of nature and realising that we are actually helpless mm. to, to stop it in mm. most cases. Uh, you know, it's, it's much, much bigger than we are. Uh, and so that's really uh, forcing us to start to think about our relationship with nature, how we live in and around nature and uh, how we uh, learn more about managing uh, the nature you know that we live within as well in terms of reducing fire risk and those sorts of things mm. but just as, as a as a general very very general theme it uh, it's applying both individually and collectively is uh, ground yourself be grounded reconnect with nature understand nature work with nature rather than fighting against mm. it or uh, one of the one of the things that, that really is standing out for me at the moment around the climate debate is there seems to be this very simplistic idea that all we need to do is convince our politicians to change their policy and the climate will change which is the most ridiculous thing you know and and i think the fire crisis in australia will help people remember that okay nature is much bigger than us it's much more powerful than us we need to to really focus on adapting to it living in harmony with it rather than trying to force our politicians to make mm. a decision which probably isn't going to do anything anyway mm. and we've had here such a, a history monica as you'd be fairly familiar with of 200 plus years of subjugation of the indigenous uh, peoples but more than that too is the attempt to tame the land so to speak in the european fashion the way we've used agriculture the way we've used water the way we've uh, abused soil and so on and so on and i think all of those uh, all those chickens are coming home to roost right now and we're faced as steve is saying with uh, the fact that we are fairly small in the face of these kind of forces and we need to get a little bit of hubris about who we are as human beings with regard to uh, nature on this planet at this time yeah just while we're on that topic too the other thing that's standing out is 
the reduced confidence in government and we've spoken on the show many times about a turning point that happened in late 2015 uh, which Martin Armstrong's computer algorithm pointed out uh, which marked a downturn in confidence in government and since then we've seen a fairly strong decline in the capacity of our governments to meet community needs and that is quite likely to continue and it's part of a decentralization trend where the 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 power and the capacity to to make change is really being dispersed to communities and uh, and of course you've spoken about building resilient communities in the book monica yeah i definitely view that as a major solution as uh, building our own communities and that's also going to help with the um the isolation and the feelings of loneliness and all of those sorts of things that we're experiencing in our society as well right now is creating that sense of community. Um, plus, as you've referenced many times, that's really going to help us, you know, create local food systems and all of the things that we're going to need to be able to do in the future. And I was going to say, I agree completely with what you were talking about at the importance of grounding and reconnecting with nature right now, too, because with all of the polarization that we are seeing, uh, more people and more situations are really going to push our buttons kind of than ever. And so really the best way to deal with that is to keep ourselves really grounded because otherwise we're always going to be, you know, thrown off or, you know, getting in arguments with people and all of those sorts of things. So when we really focus on our own grounding and staying centered, uh, we don't get thrown off our path as easily either. Absolutely. And if we look to Indigenous healing traditions, we'll usually find that the earth is seen as like a gigantic sponge that can soak up, you know, anything that we need to shed from a healing point of view. And, and I think that's really important too. Uh, I mean, and I'm talking uh, about an energetic process here that reconnecting with the earth and grounding ourselves also can heal us uh, quite significantly. And, and many healers use that technique when they're healing other people is to uh, disperse any excess or unwanted energy into the earth. Yeah, just so important. Yeah, it is. Um, I wanted to just go back briefly because one, one of the things I'm, I'm sort of not stuck on but I'm interested in uh, is clarifying as much as possible the movement between layers. Uh, and you say at a certain point in the book, uh, around about, uh, I think it's page 67, talking about this movement between layers, uh, which, uh, as we know, in Claire W. Graves' work, is based on the existing life conditions. And you say here, the best layer for a person or a society is the one that is most aligned with existing life conditions. When a layer stops functioning in the current life conditions, a move to the next layer is beneficial. You can't simply will yourself to the next layer or force other people to change, very key point. On the other hand, it is beneficial to create positive life conditions in a community to support the healthy development of individuals and society as a whole. So we're talking a bit about that, about that self-care and that re reigniting the resilient local community. So can you expand a bit more on that change that we're on? Because I think a lot of people are definitely challenged by how that looks. What does it look like? I know there's something different that must be done, but I'm just going to get one, one leg as I started at the very beginning, that first quote I said when we got you on air this morning, one foot in one place and one foot in the other. 
Yeah, well, that definitely was kind of an epiphany for me as well in writing the book is that you can't make people change and you also can't make yourself change because, as we know from studying Graves' model, that moving between the layers is really the result of changing life conditions. And so I actually get that question a lot uh, when I do speak about the change code is, you know, how do I move myself to the next layer or how do I move other people to the next layers? And uh, it's really not as easy as all of that. Um, you know, people really have to experience the the changing life conditions. And that can be hard, especially if you're wanting to create change, is to kind of move, move people along a little bit more quickly or even move yourself along a little bit more quickly. And uh, it, it, that was kind of a, a learning point for me is that you really can't do that. You can't make people change. And in fact, that was something Dr. Beck says that uh, Claire W. Graves used to say all the time is you can't make people change. And so I think I think that can be hard to um, grasp sometimes. Well, I think in this polarized world, I think that's exactly what we need to challenge in many people. Or the people need to challenge themselves is this this uh, this immediate sort of default to uh to that sort of uh that that negative uh um way of looking at the, at at, um, at each other basically um yeah absolutely i wanted to also I, go on yes oh i was just going to say and when i was really looking at the problems of polarization and how graves's work applied to that you know i was i spent a lot of time thinking about okay what can we practically do you know because we can't make people change we can't make ourselves change and really the solution that I kind of came up with that I talk about in the book is the whole creating community piece that we talked about a little bit. Yeah. But also um, things that we can do are creating systems for that next layer that help ha- people have a place to go when they start to make that transition. Because, uh, you know, there are a lot of people moving between um, the orange and green layers right now and helping to set up those those new systems so that they have a place to go. And so I really view that as a major role for agents of change and for those people that are out there that are pathfinders and visionaries is to help create those new systems that we need right now to honor the earth and honor the planet and uh, you know have a place for people to go. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to also add that the the depth of Graves' material is is considerable, and the more we understand uh, his research, the more we can actually read where people are at when we encounter people, and you know if we wonder whether uh, they they need to change or we can see that they need to change, and maybe they don't, don't realise it themselves, and and a couple of things that we can start to read with education on Graves' model and with development of our own sensory perception. Uh, uh, whether somebody is open, arrested, or closed in Graves' language. So uh, someone who's open to change is kind of like an open system where information is free to flow in and out of the system and there's no obstacle. Someone who's arrested, is that's a temporary state, according to Graves, where we start to build barriers around ourselves and where we maybe are not open to any information so so you know we might offer somebody information about changing life conditions and they just don't seem to hear it and that's an, uh, a signal that they're either arrested or perhaps even closed and graves suggested that closed was a, a permanent state where somebody is going to continue to try and use the same solutions to solve their problems probably for the rest of their life because they've lost that capacity to be open and to absorb new information and, and integrate it so i think that that's a really important uh, starting point for understanding 
how to work with other people and uh, perhaps uh, assist them in, with the change process. And the other uh, aspect is just understanding by, by knowing the different layers and also Graves documented how very, very subtle changes occur when somebody just starts to exit a layer of, of values or a value system. So, uh, you know, he describes the, the nodal state of the value system, which are all the characteristics that are clearly outlined in the book, and then just subtly how those will start to change. And if you can pick up on those signals, then you can really know uh, not just that somebody is open to and probably going through a change process, but you know where they're headed and you know what's next. And, and then the, the general understanding is that you can work around about half a step ahead of where they are to just to feed them with material that's going to look attractive and they're going to they're going to want to integrate and that can help them move more quickly along that change path also so um back to the book and uh you talk about um finding common ground and reclaiming social media now that's that's a really interesting topic tell us about that Yeah, there, Monica. Monica, have we lost her? Oops, sorry about that. I had it on mute for a second. Yeah, that, that's okay. <laughs> you were just having a tea break, were you? Or what time? What time is it over there in Portland, Oregon? By the way, it's yesterday, uh, it isn't is, it? It is Sunday at three thirty-three p.m. There you go. So a little uh, bit yes. earlier. I remember that yeah. time, Sunday yesterday at three thirty p.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So social media is an interesting thing, and um, I think some of it is we have to think about the purpose of social media because it is just kind of brief social encounters, and you know it's really kind of standing next to someone in the line at the grocery store, mm. really, and so it's kind of hard to have a really in-depth political conversation with someone, you know just standing in line at the grocery store. And so to try to have those really in-depth conversations on social media, you know, creates a lot of confusion and frustration. And, you know, sometimes they don't always go well. And so I think that that's important to think about with regard to polarization and social media. And, you know, that maybe that wasn't its intended use. And so um, to, you know, look for ways to use social media uh, in, a, in a more positive way rather than uh, creating uh, arguments online and that sort of thing, um, I think is really helpful. Yeah, uh, you know, one of the biggest um, challenges that we face is this rejection of other value systems and, and that's just built into human nature right up to and including layer six. It's it's only when we transition into this momentous leap across to the second tier and layer seven that we, we drop that rejection process you know and, and that's not a logical uh, activity it's it's just a, a, a deep change that happens to our, our whole uh, system our whole operating system so um, unfortunately it's something that for the moment is going to continue and uh, and of course social media and the way that the algorithms work often lumps people into little bubbles you know where they're going to keep encountering people who have the same viewpoint and then when someone does pop up in that bubble they, they get hammered from all directions, which is pretty difficult. I wonder just on that whether social media in that context that you're talking now actually hampers the change of value system. It actually seems to slow down. If you're talking in, in an echo chamber, continue to those who agree with you, um, there's not much room for movement in that. There isn't, but you know, inevitably the, the bubbles sooner or later burst and people are faced with the, the outer reality. Mm. And, uh, and I think you know, if anything, it's increasing the evolutionary tension. So anything that builds tension is essentially fueling the change process, as difficult as that may seem. Yeah. Mm, very good. Um, 
Yep. Anything else, Monica? We'll take another break before we finish up. Um, you know, I might just mention that yeah. if there are people out there that identify as agents for change, that um, I actually have a Facebook group that's on mm. the Change Code uh, page on the Facebook um, account that you can go to. And it uh, the goal is to connect other agents of change from around the world so that we can really kind of magnify and support each other in a Facebook group. So I wanted to mention that that's there. Yes, that's, the, uh, that's the Change Code book is the Facebook uh, group and um, the website for the book also is the changecode.net and you are also on Instagram and Twitter, Monica Borgia, that's B-O-U-R-G-E-A-U, author of The Change Code. We'll come back and uh, finish up in a second and talk to you for one last time. Monica, thanks very much for staying there, over there. It's a nice afternoon, I'm sure. And we'll be back awesome. after these. Thank you. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate, and spiral up. 10.42 on Future Sense, you are tuned to with Steve McDonald and myself, Nick Jeans. Um, we're talking to Monica Borjo, the author of The Change Code, a practical guide to making a difference in a polarised world, uh, forwarded by our own Steve McDonald right here in the studio. And we have all the, uh, the lots of calls, 35, 40 calls. The, those are the ones we picked up. I'm going to pick two out of here, two copies of the book. Uh, I'll draw one and... Uh, Steve can draw another one. All right, here you go. There you go. Blindfold him up. Yeah, it's a huge barrel here, folks. It's a huge barrel. It's magnificent. And uh, first winner is Joe, subscriber number 5950. And the second winner... Second winner is Michelle. Uh, it looks like Cannon or Connor. Uh, subscriber number 2228. Wonderful. We'll, we'll be calling you shortly. Oh, that's Michelle Cannon. Cannon? Cannon, I don't know. Yeah, one of the three. Uh, one of the three. We will be calling you uh, our office staff very shortly about that, and you win a copy of the book, which you'll be able to pick up here from the studio. Fantastic. Yeah, and thanks again, Monica, for those. And we have some more to give away as we go forward to... We do. We're just wrapping up our discussion with uh, the author of the book, Monica Bourgeau, who's uh, calling in from a, a rainy Portland, Oregon today, Monica, I think, yeah? Yes, it's actually raining really hard right now. So I'm uh, visualizing sending some of that rain to all of you in Australia right now. Fantastic. I just felt it drop then. Actually. That's right. Yeah, that's Visualize <laughs> these gigantic water dragons coming out of the ocean and sucking up reservoirs of water and flying across from your side of the Pacific over to ours and spraying the fires with their magnificent, fiery but watery uh, splay. Fantastic. Spray. Fantastic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, I guess we're we're in the last stages of our discussion uh, with you today, and uh, what should we cover in the last few minutes, Monica? What what's um, from your perspective? What's important that we haven't spoken about yet? You know, we can talk about um, the last chapter is really about making a commitment yes. to creating positive change and becoming an agent for change. And in the book, I talk about that it doesn't have to be a big commitment because I know a lot of us already have, you know, really busy lives with full time job and maybe families to raise and all of those sorts of things. But uh, I think it's important to realize that no matter where you are in your path of life, that there is something that you can do and so it might just be making um, a small commitment of being kind to people and you know just doing your part to kind of make the world a better place or a medium commitment you know starting to volunteer or 
uh, create more community, those sorts of things. Or, you know, maybe you're in a place where you can create a really uh, large commitment by, you know, starting and leading a nonprofit or, uh, you know, helping with the political process, something like that. But I think it's important to realize that we all have the ability to do something. And another important point I think to make is that our level of commitment and our effort is also not directly related necessarily to the impact. And so sometimes we don't always know, you know, we might um, just, you know, be kind to someone and, and, and talk to someone in the line at the grocery store. And that could have really um, made that person's day and set off this whole uh, chain of positive reactions. And so I think it's important to realize that even those small actions and just making a, a commitment to do something can actually make a really big impact and kind of letting go that you need to do all of these big major things to help make a difference in the world that it really starts with just the little things consistently. That's so true. I, I saw a post on Instagram just recently talking about people whose first instinct is to smile when their eyes meet someone else's eyes in the street. And I thought, isn't that a beautiful thing? Mm. You know, that's that's something to aspire mm. to. Because how often do, you know, we sort of meet eyes with somebody mm. in the street or in a meeting or something like that. And the, and the kind of, you know, first response is, oh, what does that person want? Or, you know, what's going on there rather than just to smile at them. And it's always easier to do it when you're with somebody else to smile. I think that's an interesting point about that. Uh, for me, certainly that's true. Uh, whereas I'm, I'm a very open, outgoing person generally, but I know myself being retarded so to speak uh, by myself often and not being able to uh, to meet uh, I can meet people's eyes easily enough but to actually smile in that way and welcome them and it's almost surprising when someone does that and yet on the other hand when I'm for me when I'm with some pe someone else or other people then it's much easier for me to be more outwardly um, open interesting that and I guess that just goes to say you know we do need each other we do need to support each other we do need community of course so true and if you've been on the receiving end of that you know just meeting someone's eyes mm. accidentally in the street and then getting a <laughs> smile from them how wonderful is it it's just it's such a beautiful thing yeah yeah Nick yeah. did you um did you have anything? Well, I just, I'm just on the page, since we're talking about the uh, the end of the book, Monica, yeah. uh, I, I do like the change code oath that you have uh, near the end. I think it's on page somewhere other down the bottom, just before the acknowledgements, in fact. Uh, and I'll just read those out because uh, I think for some people it's, wow, how do I get to be an agent of change? But actually, you know, it's quite straightforward, as you're saying, you know, small things, small small moments. And uh, you say, uh, number one, I commit to being an agent for change. Two, I do my inner work first. We talked about that. I encourage positive expression of every layer of the change code. Maybe we'll come back to that a little bit. I find common ground and understand the group I am trying to help. I build resilient community, connection and opportunities for communication. I engage others in something bigger than all of us. And I develop new systems to solve more complex problems. Yeah, that sounds quite straightforward to me. I can sign. I can sign that. Very good. Here's a pen. Sign it at nine. Get a witness. Yeah. Um, the encouraging positive expression of every layer. I mean, I know it's a whole other topic to go into, but maybe just speak to that briefly because I think that's a, an area which is perhaps m quite difficult for a number of people to approach. Encouraging the positive expression of every layer of the change code. Maybe just by an example or two. Yeah, like uh, one example that kind of comes to mind is, you know, developing some ethics around some of the technology pieces. You know, we have a lot 
happening right now in the area of technology. You guys cover a lot of those here in the podcast, yeah. but you know, maybe developing some standards of ethics or or those types of things to help okay. create that positive expression of technology because even though we're moving away from the orange layer, you know, that is still really important and is going to be really necessary for us to solve some of these big challenging uh, problems is to have that technology and so finding ways to to create those mm. those boundaries uh, to help encourage the positive expressions. Mm, fantastic, I do I do love the many examples that you do give in the book of uh, of uh, small community organisations that including I love this one Make America Dinner Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, amongst I many love others. that one. Yeah, but you have some they wonderful. Encourage- yes, go on. Oh, they encourage uh, people from different political parties to get together and have a, a positive conversation over dinner. Yeah. You know, who couldn't use more of that? Fantastic. And it's something I, I thought I'd just mention too, is we, we said before that we'd uh, talk a little about the second tier application of the model. And mm. for for most people, given the life conditions that exist on the planet at the moment, uh, applying the model from a second tier perspective is going to be an aspirational thing. And I, I just thought I'd talk about very quickly uh, some of the characteristics of the second tier approach, which we can work on within ourselves and, and develop. And the first one is moving beyond fear as a motivator. And I think that's not such an easy thing at the moment, particularly when you know, we're facing the kind of crises that we're facing here in Australia at the moment. But we know science tells us that when we're fearful, it shuts down the rational part of our mind. And so, you know, we're, we're not so good at solving complex problems when we're being overcome by fear. And that takes quite a lot of practice and, and personal development to move beyond that. But it's something that we can start to notice a little more start to notice those fear reactions and even when they're very very small that's probably the easiest time to work with them and notice what is it that triggered that fear in me and why am I fearing that Uh, so that's a that's a whole line of development that you can carry with you and, and work on and the second thing that's characteristic of the second tier approach is not rejecting values that are different to yours and again, uh, it, this is quite a challenge depending on where you're at in your own personal development. But as with the fear, you can just notice those little rejection feelings that come up, like when somebody else makes a statement or they're doing something that maybe you don't agree with and f- feel inside yourself for, for that reaction that might come with that and just question, okay. Uh, and, and also, you know, at the same time, hold in your mind the understanding that this person wouldn't be doing what they're doing which you're having an issue with unless that was in line with their values and so what you're facing is somebody else who is being true to their own values it's just that they're not the same values as yours Uh, and and investigating that sitting with that meditating on that is a pathway to developing a second tier capacity and the third thing is the capacity to hold a paradox without getting too confused or or having your mind pop so the possibility that two things which seem to be polar opposites are actually both valid simultaneously and that kind of follows on from the previous thing about understanding somebody operating from a different value set so you know if you live in a, a black and white world of right or wrong then your values are right anyone who has different values are wrong but if you can just open yourself to the possibility that okay people are 99 percent mostly good and they operate according to their own values and are true to their own values and sometimes they're different from mine and they might look like they're wrong from you know from my old perspective but 
if you can come to that point of understanding that, okay, there are different value sets, that person is probably being true to themselves, their values are just different than mine, then that is actually part of that process of holding a paradox and, and learning how to work with paradox. Yeah, that's such a good point. I, I like the paradox piece especially and realizing that two opposite things can be true at the same time. Like in the United States, uh, immigration is a really big issue right now and you can care about immigration but also care about immigrants at the same time and how they might be treated and the conditions that they face. And so being able to kind of merge those two things and come up with new solutions I think is going to be really key to the future. And as you said, looking at other colors and being able to uh, look for elements of truth, even in uh, someone's opinion that you don't agree with, and being able to start to merge those with, with your perspective as well. Thanks so much, Monica. It's been really, really wonderful to talk to you today. We could keep talking, I'm sure, but we're just about out of time on our show here, so we need to wrap it. I'm sure this won't be the last time that we have you on here, so we look forward to having you back again in the future. Thank you so much for this book and all of the work that you've put into it. And uh, we wish you all the very best on our behalf and on behalf of all of our listeners uh, for the promotion of the book and, and all of the different events, launch events and social events that you have coming up uh, to progress that. And we'll certainly keep in touch. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. Thank you. And of course, the book is uh, available through most of the outlets, Amazon and other and uh, selective bookshops around. I don't know if you'll find them in the bookshops yet in Australia, but you'll certainly be able to order it online, The Change Code by Monica Bourgeois. Thanks, Monica, very much for joining us. Thank you both. And we will not be here next week. Casper uh, Brace will be sitting in the chair for Future Sense, just doing his own show, not actually doing the Future Sense show, but it'll be in that time slot because we are out at Uluru as of Friday and we'll be doing what we're doing out there and I guess we'll be talking a bit about that when we come back. We will, yeah. We've got uh, our filmmaker team member from arriving from Texas today and we're going to start work on a documentary series and uh, part of what we'll be doing out at Uluru is uh, shooting some footage for that and uh, we'll talk about it all when we come back, I guess. Fantastic. Thank you and thanks for your texts and, uh, you know, agents of change, activate. Uh, yeah, bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.